We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Today, we are going to play the speech sound disorder version of BS. And what BS is, is when someone has these cards on the table and they say, this is the truth about these cards. Now, if you call this out to be a lie, that this is BS, and you're right, it is a lie, then you win. If you say this is BS and you're wrong, then you lose. Today, I'm going to call BS on three common speech sound disorder rules that many people follow. I'm going to call BS on them and tell you why. The first common rule that many people follow in the field of speech sound disorders, and unfortunately, it's because perhaps somebody, some expert with a couple extra letters behind their name, said so in a convincing voice. It was based on expert opinion. And really, at the end of the day, anyone will tell you the numbers and the research beat out expert opinion. Expert opinion is simply someone saying, because I said so. The first one is that you should select treatment targets that are very common. Treatment targets that the child uses every day. I'm going to say BS on that. And what I'm going to say is to do the opposite of selecting common speech sound disorder targets. And the reason for that is that these words have been misproduced thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Just as practice makes perfect, practice makes imperfect. And that means that you're going to have to go back and unlearn inaccurate motor planning, inaccurate motor programming, inaccurate execution before you can actually make progress and learn correct motor plans, correct motor programming, correct execution. So the challenge becomes twofold for the therapist and for the child and the child's family. A better way is to start with words that are novel, that the child hardly never has said before. Words such as scrape and spray and drop, these treatment targets that the child has very little experience with. And the reason for that is then I have a blank slate. 
And when I have a blank slate, I can more easily teach the child accurate motor plans, accurate motor programming, accurate execution, because I don't have interference from prior habituated inaccurate learning. There's no interference. These are words that the child has never said before. So an example of that is Patricia McCabe's REST approach for treating childhood apraxia of speech. She uses nonsense words. Why does she use nonsense words? Because using nonsense words gives her a blank slate from which she can more easily make progress. And that is because there isn't prior and accurate motor planning and programming and execution that needs to be unlearned in order for learning to occur. So I call BS on that idea that you should pick words that the child commonly says as your speech sound disorder targets. For instance, I have a child right now, his dog Turner, the name is Tuna. The name is Tuna because for three years, he's been calling that dog Tuna. If I chose Tuna, him saying Turner for Tuna, as his treatment target, I'm going to have to work exponentially harder to teach him to suppress gliding of the R sound. However, by using words such as scrape, I have a blank slate. He has not been saying the word scrape for three years, and I can make exponentially faster progress because I don't have to unlearn prior learning. I'm also going to dismiss this child from therapy because he's saying all of his sounds accurately over 90% of the time in conversation, but his dog's name is still Tuna, and that's okay. I don't expect the child to change the dog's name because of new learning. The dog's name is Tuna and he's totally intelligible in conversational speech. He is graduating from speech sound disorders. So that's what I mean about using words that are commonly said that the child uses all the time. This is not a good speech sound target it's going to be exponentially harder for you to make gains because of prior errored learning. Second common rule of speech sound disorders that really people just do because someone said so, that's not research-based, that's not evidence-based, is first the person must master the singleton, such as the S sound. Then after that, you can go on to the clusters, such as the SW cluster. And only after mastering the singleton and the two-element cluster can you go for the three-element cluster, because someone said so. That's not evidence-based practice. So what our research has found, if you go right for that three-element cluster as a starting point, you're going to get nearly double the gains than if you go for a two-element cluster. So how do you start at the three-element cluster? It's by doing this, by believing in yourself and what you're capable of, and believing in your client 
and what your client is capable of and emptying out that toolbox of all of those cues you have at your disposal and using dynamic, tactile, temporal, most to least prompting hierarchy at an 80% accuracy level. So what I'm saying is you give everything to the child, every cue. You are carrying the child in the beginning. That's how much cueing you're giving. You're speaking at zero miles an hour. You are using the gestural cues as if that child's in Rosie in a balcony seat, making it salient what the child's doing in the mouth. You are using visual cues. You are using imagery. You're using tactile. I like to use self-tactile, which the child is actually touching their face and their mouth to know where it is in space. You're using every cue. And why are you doing that? Why is this approach so much superior to an approach where you go tit for tat, start with the simplest, then go to the next level, then go to the next level? Because time is invaluable. What I mean by that is you can't get time back. And the younger the child is, the greater the neuroplasticity in the brain. So what you want to do is you want to be producing three element clusters at a younger age so that you can rewire the brain because neurons that fire together wire together when neuroplasticity is a higher level. So when you're working on SKR blends, the complex connections you're creating in the brain, I like put all my fingers together, is like this. If you're working on the S sound, one single sound in itself, it's like just putting your two fingers together when it looks at the neuronal connections. So what you get when you're working in SKR blends is you want to get stopping of S, fronting of K, gliding of R, cluster reduction, get four for the price of one. Because time is very limited. The research indicates you have 30 to 45 minutes a week. That's it to impact this child's life, to make a great difference. Of course, you're going to have the parents doing home practice and involved, but parents can only do so much too, right? 90% of parents are double income. They're doing parenting. They're doing working. They're going to help you with the speech too, but they can only do so much. You need to make the most out of limited resources you have. And how are you going to do that? Starting at the three element cluster, emptying out the toolbox, using dynamic tactile temporal cueing while ensuring an 80% rate of accuracy. You're working on SKW as a starting point. That's how you're going to do that. That's how you're going to create optimal change with little time. You're going to work smarter, not harder. And that means also that you are going to care very little about what the child can do independently and care a lot about what the child can do with every cue you have at your disposal. That's your starting point. Where can you, what can the child do? Think Eiffel Tower. Give them the scaffolds and go as high as you can go. Your vision is the limit. 
that's that the vision matters that you have. So I call BS on the idea that you need to master singletons before going to two element clusters. And you need to master the singleton and the two element cluster before you can hit the three. I call BS on that. So let's look at number three, the third common rule that people follow is that children that benefit from the complexity approach from picking out the three element clusters, these are children that have phonological processes. And those are the only children that are appropriate for three element clusters. I call BS on that. And that's because there's published peer-reviewed research indicating that children with childhood apraxia of speech benefit from more challenging treatment targets. That children with dysarthria benefit from more challenging treatment targets. Our research of 76 preschoolers who had Down syndrome, cognitive impairment, dysarthria, autism spectrum disorder, childhood apraxia of speech, phonological processes, and articulation impairment across the board of diverse etiologies, all of them benefited from a more challenging treatment target. Show me a study where the child doesn't benefit more from a more challenging treatment target. And I'm not gonna even talk about that study from over 20 years ago in which they compared an early developing P to R. We're not talking about that. That is comparing a grape to a grapefruit. That is not evidence that a more challenging treatment target is worse. That's evidence that more challenging treatment targets will always develop after earlier ones. There is this innate order in which speech develops. Across the board, you're going to get better gains if you select the more challenging speech sound disorder treatment target. So I call BS on the idea that only the children who are just are tick or only the children with phonological processes benefit from the complexity approach. Every child on your caseload is going to benefit from a more complex treatment target. That's what our research shows with statistical significance of a group of 76 diverse children of diverse etiologies with speech sound disorders. I call BS on that. But that doesn't matter because I'm not playing the game. You are. It's up to you to have discernment. It's up to you to research your practice. Your children are different than my children. Your garden is different than my garden. What these children are receiving outside of your therapy is different than what my children are receiving outside of their therapy. It's like they said in to, to, to Kill a Mockingbird. Don't judge a person until you can see the world from their back porch. Your back porch as a speech pathologist is different from my back porch. And the only way you are going to know if something is BS or if something is truth is by flipping the cards over by yourself. You need to research your own practice. You need to pay attention to your own numbers. You need to do your own research 
if you want to be able to call BS and win. And that means you call BS and you find out what truth is, what's true for the children that you work with. But the last thing you want to do is take for granted because someone said so. You've got to have discernment in this field. So I encourage you, if you haven't got my book yet, it's amazing. My book has over 100 digital clips of actual therapy illustrating best practices with diverse groups of preschoolers. But aside from that, it also has an entire chapter that tells you exactly how you can research your own practice, how you can see what is truth and what is BS. And every time that you find truth in your practice, you're going to be more effective at what you do. There's going to be a cumulative effect. It's not that you're doing one effective strategy. It's that you're incorporating hundreds of effective strategies. And there's a cumulative effect in that in which you're going to get far greater gains and paying attention to every detail of your practice. So I want you to take all of this information, roll up your sleeves, and I want you to play BS in your own practice. Go make your own discoveries, flip the cards over, and see what's truth and what's not truth. And take all of that information and make the world a better place, one child at a time. But you are always going to be first. Thank you.